with people being so busy with work and life, they often skip meals. So I want to share three meal replacements. That's not what's in the notes. Well, that's my. Uh, Are you calling my, it audible? That's my no. That's my uh, my non sequitur oh. uh, start to the podcast. Oh, okay. You know, because you, I think you didn't want a cleaning tip. Again. <laughs> I think last time I so said I something about that. Okay. So I'm trying to follow your directions. Okay. Mm. Um, I've tried one of the three. So Huel, as in instead of fuel, it's Huel, H-U-E-L, mm-hmm. which I try and have daily as one of my meals. And that okay. one has got a third carbs, third protein, and third fat. So you kind of get that balance. You balanced. think more men drink that than women? I have no clue mm-hmm. that's one um, for those that are trying to fill in the meals and you feel like you're missing uh, two meals and going hungry during the day that's a good one instead of bars um, I don't know how to say the next one I know what I can pretend to say it kachava k-a apostrophe c-h-a-v-a and that one also is a meal replacement one that's pretty popular daily harvest more people will have heard of that third option um, that one is it's like smoothies and bowls and you can kind of choose what you want and then you I think you freeze them mm. and then you can put it together easily and put add water or blender or whatever. Or you can just skip meals and eat when you're really really hungry and <laughs> that's kind of what I do. I'm working on it though. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting better at it. Welcome to the Teaching Gab podcast episode 19 for 2019 February 15th Friday where we gab about the gap, the teaching gap, the parent gap, the life gap. This is the space where we share teacher-parent problems and life problems, and we do our best to find strong solutions. Here in the kitchen, I'm Dave Crumbine. And right next to him in the kitchen, Aisha Crumbine. Sponsors are Flipboard and Anchor.fm. Interestingly, Spotify just got purchased, uh, not got purchased, the other way around, Anchor. .fm, which we use for hosting and creating this, just got purchased by Spotify. Spotify. And it's, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out because we've always, I've been very passionate about wanting to get chapters in here, chapter markers, where people can skip ahead to different chapters and it's easier to navigate, but Anchor doesn't offer that, so we'll see if Spotify adds it. If not, we might switch to oh, a different platform. You can't say that when they're sponsoring the well, maybe it's encouragement. And, also, <laughs> and frankly, like, if they're actually listening to our podcast, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. I often think of teachers and parents as steering wheels. You know, like, if you're, if you're driving and you keep a steering wheel in one place, it's gonna be a short ride. And instead, we're, we're constantly shifting. And so with the kids in our lives, we're coaches, constantly shifting our coaching to really shift their choices. And we're giving feedback consistently, and that runs the gamut from like easy conversations, like, will you hand me the tissue, to <laughs> middle blow ones, your, blow like... Blow your nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come, let's get you know, let's get this done. It's the second time I've asked you to do it. To the more extreme ones, like you made what choice? <laughs> and let's just stop everything and break this down. Like we're always giving feedback to the kids in our lives, and I and I, I see that as that constant steering wheel. You know, and sometimes, like I think, zooming out a little bit, 
why it's so important to give that feedback. Like the idea is that we are constantly helping our children evolve and they can either devolve, right, and go backwards and, and not learn really important skills and mindsets and how to operate or by giving them regular, consistent feedback on what they're doing well and how to improve and what they're not doing well. Um, it kind of teaches them to to do that for themselves, like to always be growing, right? So I think like that that is such an important part of our role and responsibility as parents and as teachers to know that like we are helping people evolve into either really great, high-functioning, capable human beings or crazy ones. Like it, it, it's a very natural instinct to do that as a parent, to do that as a teacher. It seems like the thinking and, and maybe even just backdoor conversations about how to give that feedback, how to give that coaching from, again, like the low issue to the middle to the more extreme, like that seems to be sort of a regular thing that we process as parents, as teachers. And I don't want to dive into that in this episode. We've done some of that in like episode two and three, and I'd say 16 and 17. But today's episode looks at what rarely seems to get discussed, and it's really the debrief on the debrief. It's sort of the, in other words, it's like the closure on the original conversation that unpacked whatever was the original problem. So for instance, like a teacher could be really disappointed with a student and that can be handled in like so many different ways and so many different conversations. Though what about like an hour later? What about a few hours later? Or sometimes even just the next day when everyone's finally calmed down, like the emotions are not on the table. And so often the grand mistake that's made is just to move on. Like, okay, well I talk to the kid, whether it's my child or my student, I talked to them about it, I told them what I wanted them to do, and gave them my thoughts, and we're all done. But there's this huge chance to have a second conversation for closure and growth. And yeah, it takes more time, and yeah, it takes some effort, and even some courage to approach the conversation from before. Though the real growth, and and, and really even the the healing, like seems to happen when that's done. so before you before you go into like what the incident was like I'm thinking I'm listening to this and I'm thinking what what is an example that might make this really clear cuz I as student teacher or parent te- parent child is one thing but I think about even when you and I have disagreements we can in the heat of the moment handle it but we typically will come back to each other sometime later and and say something to help us get back to zero right so it's almost like here's this feedback here's what we need to do and sometimes that feedback takes a little while to settle in and the way that we uh, the way that we accept it or process it once we've done that we still need to come back to each other and say you know I really appreciate how you gave me this feedback or I thought some more about what you said and um so it doesn't just apply from child and adult. It can, it's also about how we interact with people just in general. In particular because there's this attempt to use logic in the initial conversation. Like whatever the problem is, okay, let's talk it out. And <laughs> the, Well, I mean the talk is, is attempting logic, but it's like you, you, you have to deal with the emotions. You like, have to emotion. acknowledge them. You've got to get through them. 
and there's a point where you're never really going to finish the conversation and therefore you're never really going to finish the progress, which is the whole point of why when people disagree, ultimately you would hope that the goal is to create progress. And you, you just literally can't until the emotions have, for the most part, or 100% left, which means you're going to require time, which means that you can't really just ignore it in the beginning, especially when you're dealing with your kids. You can't yeah. deal with ignore it in the beginning. And, and so you, you need that second conversation. I don't like using our kids as, as any kind of consistent example, but because it just happened and it's so clear in our heads... Um, versus pulling something from the classroom from years back. Our, our son was playing a game. I'll keep it very general. He's playing a game on his iPad. It was time for us to leave the house, but he kept playing. I think there was no pause button or something in I the game. That he was really close to getting to a certain school uh, or okay. something. And so our daughter, in an attempt to, in her mind, be helpful, <laughs> um, to some degree, though. Trying to be the boss of all things. <laughs> though it wasn't. As, uh, you know, she walked up to him and she started to close his iPad. He asked more than once, you know, very politely for her not to do that. And we could hear this. Like, we were actually in the kitchen and, and they were in the other room. And we could hear him asking her to not do the thing that she was doing. She went up and she closed it anyway. And, you know, we were not happy with her and... We dove into that with her, and we're not even going to touch that in this episode because that I don't, I don't want to stray from the topic. I don't want to stray from the goal of the episode. And it's not to dive into, great, what was that conversation? Because, again, I feel like we have approached a lot of that in previous episodes. But it was the the hour, the hour and a half later that really set this yeah. this whole thing up. Um, when we pulled her to the side, that I believe some of the magic really happens and is there for us to be able to happen with the kids that we work with that we just miss too often as parents and teachers where we could just hit that home run um, for reflection and growth. And don't miss the side note that like, we aren't guaranteeing nor saying that like that poor choice isn't gonna happen again because you had that second conversation or the first conversation. Your goal as a teacher, your goal as a parent is to decrease the probability by solving a problem, you're decreasing the probability it'll happen again. And even if it does, what's automatic and, and what I do feel close enough to saying guaranteed is you're decreasing the shock that if they make that same bad choice again and you go debrief it with them again and you revisit them again, they're not going to be shocked at that debrief. They're not going to be um, feeling like you're not going to feel nearly as much pushback because, hey, we've already talked about this before. We already dove into this before. And so they come, they're on more familiar ground um, when you end up talking to them about it. And can't, can't, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where we are in the notes. I was trying to scroll and keep Knock along. yourself out. I, I think it would be helpful. So the, the setup for this situation was our son was asking our daughter not to do something repeatedly, nicely, politely, and she did it anyway. We handled the situation or we had conversation with her about the situation and then we left we got in the car we didn't continue to talk about it but we we created space right and and creating space means we we let her sit with her decision and the consequences of that decision without continuing to talk to her about it because i think that space is important and you talked about it as in time but like we just gave her that space so she was sitting in the back seat of the car we were going wherever we were going and then i think it would be helpful to to go ahead and talk about like what what the debrief was and then talk about the benefits of the debrief because i think you were getting into some of the benefits of the debrief 
without hearing what the debrief was and for us linear thinking people. <laughs> for those of you who can't see what he just did, he reached over and pointed to my computer and, and pointed to the show notes. I understand that, smarty pants. All I'm saying is that as a listener who was listening to you, I was thinking, but I don't, I don't, I don't help me get it. So segue into tell us yeah, mr well, even, even before what was the debrief even before doing the debrief like there's don't miss the concept of how often i know we hear i'm going to speak to her about this and when you say i'm going to speak with her about this um there's such a difference between with them and at them mm. and and like I know I've said it, like, beat the dead horse. Like, I, I do not want to dive into this episode about what we chat, how we talk, and approach that initial conversation with her. But in the debrief, in that second one, with them is so much more powerful. And I think the analogy that I think of often is the idea that there's a difference between a conversation and a speech. You know, a speech is one way. It's like talking at them, talking at them, talking at them. That's not the same as I'm going to talk with them. A conversation is two-way. And that's where this becomes so critical in the setup that you're referencing. We, step one, is sit with her. And so I sat her on my lap and, and I made it like a conversation. Not, I'm going to tell you a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you what I think. Because that, that creates, a, when you're sitting with them, and for older kids, um, walking is awesome. It's really mm. calming. You can walk shoulder to shoulder. And that sets you up for success in step two, which is let them start the conversation. Because that's where it then creates the foundation for it's a conversation instead of basically a speech. Because it gives us like time and time again. It's like, well, I talked to her about this, or I'm going to talk to him about this. Like, But you're, you're really not talking to them. You're just front-loading your opinion, front-loading your feedback. So step two is let them start the conversation and ask them, like, what do you think happens? You know, we know the emotions have gone down. The logic can kick in better now. And ask, like, what were your thoughts? Like, what led you in particular? Like, what were the literal thoughts in your head? You made this decision. We talked about that already. What were you thinking? And, and, I, and by going down that road, you avoid the word why. <laughs> when you turn to a kid and you say why, and, and you chime in if you think this is like the same thing, adult to adult, but for why, it's, it's the skunk in the corner. Why'd you do that? It's, it's more judgment. of an attack. It's yeah, it's judgment. And it, and it puts them on, on the defensive. And so let's going backwards. Step one is... is if it's a younger kid, like have them on your lap. If it's an older kid, maybe take a walk. Maybe you go to Starbucks, something like that. Step two is then let them start the conversation. Um, and, and they're not going to know necessarily how. And so I think the how to help them is ask them, like, what were some of the thoughts in their head at that time? Because it's easier for them to process that right now because they're not upset. Yeah, and, and there's something to, like... The answer to, to any why question for a child who is like recovering or even an adult who is recovering from feedback is, I don't know, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the answer you're going to get because yeah. they're not, they don't know why they did what they did, right? Yeah. But when you ask the question like, what was going through your head when you did that or when you said that, 
they have to actually think back to the moment and think back to what was going on through their going through their head which helps you understand the why right but why is so loaded and it's a judgment like by the time you ask somebody why they did something they are assuming that you are judging them and that they made the wrong decision so it automatically re-engages the emotions that you don't want to be a part of this conversation and i've used that wording with kids who are four to kids who are near the end of high school yeah and the wording is essentially like what were the thoughts in your head like what were you what was one part of your brain like telling the other part of brain that told yourself like oh this would have been a good decision to make because i really don't think that that the vast majority of the time when a kid makes a bad choice i don't think they're thinking oh great look at this awesome opportunity for making a bad choice i think what they're thinking is they have a rationale that to them makes sense yeah we're so blinded as the adults which is a whole other issue, right? We're so blinded as adults that we think that that when we see a choice that's wrong, almost as if they, they woke up out of bed expecting to make that wrong choice, we want to attack. Or that they just, or that they weren't thinking. Like I, I can remember, and I'm, I'm slightly ashamed, I just didn't know as well. Like at some point when a, when a kid did something, I remember this so vividly, I brought this kid to the principal's office and, and I was letting him have it. And I was like, what were you thinking? Oh, you could not have possibly been thinking anything. Like our, our default is that our kids are not thinking when they make poor choices. And it's actually not true. Most of the time they are thinking something and what they are thinking makes sense to them. So our job is to help them unpack what they're thinking and show them an alternative. Remember, over 90% of what we say is not the words. So when you say, what were you thinking, is so close to the wording that I had said before, which was like, share with me or tell me some of the thoughts in your head. But it feels so different. So What were you thinking sounds Yeah, like, what were you thinking like, <laughs> is, is pretty much saying... I mean, that's an expression. It's, it's, judgment, it's an expression. It means you weren't though. thinking. Yeah, it's right? judgment. Like you, and so you have to check both of those when you sit down. And that's the beauty of doing this conversation an hour, two hours, maybe the next day. Because you're not later. so angry. Yeah, and so you can actually set yourself up. Where you, well, you already are set up for success because you can, you can work from a, a foundation of logic instead of a foundation of frustration. So step Two just ends up being like, hey, share me some of those thoughts in your head. Like, what were what were those some of those thoughts? Instead of saying, what were you thinking? And then that will give you the why without having asked why. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have to ask a few follow up questions, but pretty much the same one. Like, okay, tell me more about those thoughts. That's a great line, by the way. Teachers, parents, tell me more. Like say that. Say more so about that. We say use more about that. We say that one. all the time. Um, step three give back what they said like okay so you were thinking that blah 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 because then you're acknowledging and they know that they were heard it is so much easier and i know we've done this in previous episodes it is so much easier for someone to be willing to listen to you if you're willing to listen to them first and it just doesn't work the other way around step four is then pretty much the unpacking phase. Like now that you've listened, they will listen as we said. So ask them what they think could either be done better in the future or what do they think if they, this is one I think I enjoy is like, if you could go in a time machine, this is a fun one, like what, what do you think you could have done differently or what would you have wanted to do differently? 
because they're willing to reflect on this now that they got to share their thoughts, the emotions have subsided. And then only if needed on step five would be if they can't really fully say like, look, this is what I did, this is what I could have done better, like if they're missing some pieces or a little bit off in the perspective, then, then give that adult advice because I think now is the time to do it where they're willing to hear that at this point in the conversation. Um, and then steps six and seven are huge where you, 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 can, you could just stop there, but you'd be missing that critical last piece of if it's your own child, like this is the time to tell them you love them again. This is the time to make sure that you kind of reintroduce the emotions, but instead of the angry ones, it's the one of appreciation. Acknowledging, you've already acknowledged the problem, they've talked through what they saw as not the best choice. Maybe you gave in just a few of your two cents politely without any anger. And then you're, you're set up to be able to say like, you know, we love you and we just didn't love that choice. If it's one of your students, man, I had kids like in tears in a good way saying like, you know, you're really important to the class. And then saying why, like you're important to the class because you add blank XYZ benefit, like you, you provide this to the class. And I'm glad that you had a chance to look at this. We talked about how you could do this better for the future. Use these words, can you work on that? Something about the words, can you work on that or can you work on this for the future completely has this sense of closure and calming and sense of purpose moving forward beyond the conversation. I think when you set up for a sense of purpose beyond yeah. the conversation, that kind of feels like that definition of closure that you're trying to get well, to. Well, I, I think it's two things. One, it's empowering. It's giving them a charge, yeah, that's right? True. It's like, yeah. it's, it's I'm giving you a charge to go and try again, right? Or to go and be better at that thing, which is like, okay, yes, I can do that. So they walk away with you, walk away from you with a yes, rather than uncertainty or feeling down about themselves. And I think that love and importance piece of telling them that you love them or telling them how important they are to the class because they always raise their hand or because they mm -hmm. always have really great things to, to add to the conversation or because they always ask really good questions. When you do that, you are you are filling their bucket, right? Like you were... Because it was are, emptied. It yeah. was emptied by... I mean, and, because they could easily walk away. Like anytime somebody gets feedback that is not, that's con more constructive, the story we begin to tell ourselves is that, oh, I must make these mistakes all the time, or I'm not as good as I think I am, or I, like it just goes towards the more negative than the positive. And when you say... You do, you do, you know, you are so valuable to this family and you are so important to us and we love you so much and you are so valuable to this class. You, you shift the stories, you remind them of their positives before you send them off. For and our, that's so important to do. For our daughter, we, we were able to say, like, not just we love you, which is critical, but being able to say, like, you're, you're a really good sister, like, you're really giving and you're kind. And this was like you one moment where. Maybe it didn't work like you wanted, and this is, and and you've got a really good idea moving forward how to continue to be that really good person. Step seven is like the seal on the seal. It's you've some kind of physical contact, and I can hear teachers like, "What physical contact?" Um, with your own children, a hug. Some teachers do the hugs, but you know, high five, something, fist bump, whatever, because whatever. like it, 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 there is, you will see 
like 999 of a thousand times, if not 100%, you will see a kid like that grin just is there. There's something about physical contact to finish it all off that words just can't do by themselves. Like they need that extra piece. We're human beings. We're used to physical contact. It's part of like being a human. And um, I think with adults and, and kids in particular, something there at the end just really says like great we're on the same page and we're moving forward and i'm I'm laughing because i think like even when you and i have like disagreements or whatever and we finally get to the place where we're unpacking you know that it's over when i come to you and i'll touch you that could sometimes take a few hours <laughs> hey <laughs> did i say hours <laughs> like a couple in of the days. past a couple of i've gotten so weeks. much better but <laughs> But but seriously, no, it, like it tells the other it, it, person it, it's, it's yeah, like it's, it's like done. it's done, right? Like, and sometimes I will be out using us as an example because you know we're adults and we're okay. Like, I I would be like just salty, and it takes me a little longer to like process. But when I was ready, I I you know it might be something as simple as like coming and just like putting my head on his shoulder, and then he would know that it was like over and we could move on. And kids need that, right? People need that. They people need to need people need that to know. That like, okay, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. You're not upset. You, we can let, we can let this go and move on. And there's something about that physical touch that sends that message. Especially being the adult when you're when you're working with kids, it's yeah. important that you're the one to initiate that at the end. Realize we started this episode talking about how there there's sort of three different levels to there being a problem from low, medium, and high. The filter I'd probably use would be. If you got relatively frustrated at your student or child because of the choice that they made, then you need closure. You need one of these second conversations. I can't think of a time when, like, like a, in this particular situation, I was watching the conversation happen. Um, and our daughter was sitting on Dave's lap, and they were just having, like, a face-to-face. Like, her face was next to his face. And I couldn't even hear what was being said, and I was less than, like, two feet away. Um, it was just such a personal, loving conversation um, that just, it, it, not only will it, like, do I think it, like, built her up, but it also does something to strengthen your relationship between two people. Um that I think is also important, because I, I know that, like, as our kids get older, or when we're teaching, like sometimes that relationship gets a little fragile, especially when you're having to give feedback or discipline or redirect. But to have this debrief at the end it is like, I'm giving you this constructive feedback because I love you as a person and because I care about you as a person. And that's an that's a important message to send, whether we are teaching or whether we are parents or even whether we are, you know, partners or friends or whoever like that is important enough to to have this debrief you you nailed it with the constant relationships because that when I would watch teachers get upset with kids it was always telling that the teacher who had the closest relationships with his or her students were the same teachers where you'd have to pay really close attention because it would be an hour or so later and they would make a point with even if it was sometimes a phone call at night and you'd find out later they would circle back yeah and that that really set the precedence for the relationship and once you've got the strong relationship whether it's classroom or home 
that just sets everything else up for success. Please share this podcast with people in your message list. I always think it's easier just to go look and see who have you texted recently. In the last two, three days, you'd saw sequential anyways in your text messaging app. Who would you iMessage or text message? And then you just and... copy paste. Hey, listen to this podcast. Yeah. You should check it out. Paste. <laughs> please share with, with people that you think would like it. Um, please rate us in Apple Podcasts and leave a review as that helps us tremendously. Uh, we love the email. We love the voicemails. Um, teachinggab at gmail.com, 832-819-5166. Thank you.